let's settle a bit as we listen to God's word together. And I'll pray in a minute, but just to orient us that um, as we journey into uh, Christmas, we decided to focus a bit more attention on discipleship, why we are together. And by Christmas, hopefully we celebrate that together. The Lord has called us to be followers of the Lord Jesus for a reason. And we decided to go through this short series just to explain a bit of that. And last week, when we talked from Genesis 1 and showed that discipleship is not new to the New Testament, the discipleship really began in Genesis 1 when the Lord created and says, that, says to the man and the woman, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. It's actually discipleship, filling the earth with people who are created in the image of God, filling the earth with image bearers. The earth is supposed to be filled with people who look like the Lord Jesus and the Lord Jesus being their head across the entire globe, um, the entire earth. That is the focus. So when Jesus says to his disciples, go and make disciples of all nations, he wasn't saying anything different from what the Lord had said right from the very beginning of creation. He wants to see people who have been redeemed in spite of the fall, who are being transformed and who will be transformed and who will look like Jesus, the true man, the true human being who will fill the entire earth. So I'll pray and then we look at what the Lord may have for us today. Shall we pray together? Our Father, as we approach, I together with these brothers and sisters, Lord, we want to come with humility to hear you. Please, Lord, free our minds from all the distractions and keep our focus fixed on Jesus and speak to us by the power of your Spirit. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you are in any discipleship community, for example, the missional family, if you are in any discipleship community or you are in any discipleship relationship, so somebody is discipling you, you are discipling someone, and you find yourself positioned in the place of recipients, you are entirely a recipient, you will not blossom as a Christian. So if your position, whether within the church community or within, in our case, a missional family, or you are in a discipleship work with someone, and the way you have positioned yourself is always to receive. Whether it is receiving a word or receiving materially or receiving whatever it is, if that is the position you take and if that is where you settle, you will not blossom. Imagine a tree, a plant, growing and blossoming with flowers. You will not blossom as a follower of Jesus, if your position is always the position, the place of receiving, never of giving. Discipleship is a life in Christ shared together in the world. So yes, we follow Jesus as individuals. We always say that. But actually, a dimension that we oftentimes forget is that we are disciples together. We are called into families, the family of God. 
We are called into community, the community of believers. And so discipleship is actually life together. Life together in Christ or life in Christ together in the world as we practice what the Lord has called us to be and to do. And that is what? Giving to one another. Giving and receiving, yes, but giving to one another and by extension we give to the world in which we live. Any believer in Christ, anyone who has put their faith in Jesus, anyone who is a follower of the Lord Jesus, you are by nature a giver. You have been called to be a person who gives. I know we are thinking about money, but I'm thinking bigger than that. In fact, the scriptures think bigger than that. It includes that. It doesn't exclude that. Material possession. But it is bigger than that. So that every believer, whether they are wealthy or not wealthy, very educated or not educated, is called, because they are in Christ, to be in a place where they can give. It is every believer, not some. Not some people, not the experienced ones, not the exposed ones, not those who can. Because you are in Christ, you have been called to give. Discipleship means, I've said it, let me repeat it, life in Jesus together for the blessing of others in the church and in the world for the glory of God. However you look at it, however our curriculum might look, it is life together, life together in Jesus. All of us holding hands, encouraging one, giving to one another and receiving from one another so that we bless, we bless each other and then we bless the world around us so that God is glorified. Now Paul says something when he was in Acts. He had met the efficient elders, the leaders of the church there. And then he was encouraging them. So Acts 20 is long, and he kept talking to them. And by the time he was finishing, he says something. Let me read a portion of it. Acts chapter 20, verse 32 to 33. Now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I have not coveted anyone's silver or gold or clothing, you yourself know that these hands of mine have supplied my own needs and the needs of my companions. In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must supply the needs that we have. No, that's not what he says. In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak. Remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself when he said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. So Paul calls the Lord and says that the Lord Jesus himself has said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. What is he saying? That word blessed. So he's saying that the Lord Jesus himself said, he has said it is more happy. That word blessed, blessed, is the same word in the Hebrew that is used in um, Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked and, and, go, and so on and so forth. It is more happy to give than to receive. 
What he's saying is this, to put it in another way, it is more fulfilling and satisfying to give than to receive. It is more joyful and enriching to give than to receive. That is a Christian life. True blessedness, happiness is found not so much in positioning myself basically just to receive, but to give because it is more. To receive is a blessing, but it is more. It is more blessing to give than to receive. So the path, the way to growing in true happiness or blessedness is not so much when I take that place that as for me, I am so helpless. I need everyone to help me. And I'm not just talking in material sense. Even in the way we exercise our spiritual gifts. Mine is to receive, is to be ministered to, never to minister to others. Again, my friends, let me say it. The Christian life is a life of giving what you have received from the Lord so that others flourish. We never live for ourselves in the Christian life. We live for the Lord, but we also live for others. Well, we live for ourselves, one would say. But the way you live for yourself is to live for others by serving, by giving. How do we know this? We know this from the Lord himself. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, Mark 10, 45, but to serve. Even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. That is a Christian life. That is radical. It doesn't flow in line with the way the world sees it. The Christian life is a life of giving what you have received so that others in and outside the church may flourish. And what Paul actually says when he says that you have heard the Lord Jesus himself, when he says it is more blessed to give than to receive, well, he has said that he heard it from the Lord Jesus. But it is something that Jesus had taught in the Gospels. Listen to how the Lord puts it. John chapter 4. John chapter 4, verse 10, and then I'll read 13 to 14. Jesus answered her. This is, this is Jesus' engagement with a Samaritan woman at the well. We had a sermon from that two weeks ago from Albath. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. So you remember the story. Jesus has asked her for a drink because Jesus was thirsty. And then the woman said, how dare you ask me for a drink? You're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan. We don't have anything in common. And you are asking me for a drink? And then the conversation goes on. Basically asking Jesus, who the heck are you? Who do you think you are? And Jesus says, if you knew the gift of God and the person talking with you, you would have asked this person and he will give you living water. Verse 13, Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. That is the woman, uh, the, 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 the water the woman was drawing from the well. If you drink that, you'll be thirsty. I have drunk some water. Eventually, I'll go back to it because I'll be thirsty again. But 
Whoever drinks the water I give them will never be thirsty. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them, will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. A spring of water. And if you know a water spring, what that is, if you are thirsty in the wilderness somewhere, in the desert somewhere, and you see a spring of water in a scorching sun, Sometimes when we are in a trotro, let's say at Medina, Zongo Junction, and there's traffic and it is hot, and you don't have AC in your car, you thirst, you long for this spring. You can't get a spring, so you request for ice water, bottle or sachet. And then you feel cool down. The Lord says that, but whoever drinks the water that he gives will never thirst, Indeed, the water that he gives will become in them, in that person, a, a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And then he will take the same idea later. In the same John, John chapter 7, he takes the same idea. And then he says, verse 37, On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Listen, friends, this is the Lord speaking. Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. The conversation with a woman. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant the Holy Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up until that time, the Spirit had not been given. St. Jesus had not yet been crucified, had not yet been glorified. crucified, buried, resurrected, ascended. He says that there will be rivers of living water that will spring up in them. Talking about the spirits that will be placed in them. Now this is what he's saying. At least part of what he's saying. When you put your trust in Jesus and you believe that he died because you are a sinner. He took on your sin. God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us so that we will become the righteousness of God in him. When you put your trust in Christ and you become God's child, when you walk in faith, Trusting in Jesus every day. You become, he says, you become like a spring, a fountain of water. Because of the Holy Spirit in you, it is like living water springing out of us. Can you imagine, if you are here and you are trusting in Jesus, can you imagine even you? Even you. Living water springing up from within you because of the presence of the Spirit in us. The Holy Spirit causes this living water, which is himself, to well up, to well up, and then it flows, and it gives life to those around us. See what the Lord is saying? We, by our nature, if we are in Christ, that is the difference. I'm not talking about churchgoers and religious people. Everybody can pretend to be good and following a certain set of rules. I'm talking about what the little girl said, repentance. For those who have turned from themselves and turned to Christ by faith, this is your nature. 
the Holy Spirit makes you like a wellspring. He makes us living water flowing from among us as individuals and as a community, the spirits, so that others will be blessed. Now, there is a waterfall. For those of you who know the mountains, the hill, the Equiapim Hills, if you know it very well, I used to live there, so I know a bit of these waterfalls. And there is a particular one at a place called Obwadaka. When you descend down the waterfall, especially in the rainy season, when it is really pouring, the water comes from the top, makes that noise, hits the ground, and then it takes a certain path. And I've had the opportunity to actually walk that path. I didn't follow it to its logical conclusion. Otherwise, I probably would be drowned. But at least I followed it to the point where it will lead into a bigger pool. And then wherever it goes. And there is something I noticed. From the very source, when the water falls, right down along the path, every plant that is there is lush, is green. And then there are all these organisms apart from the plant there are animals some are swimming you can have um, catfish in there and then there are all kinds of bees flying around and some birds come around because they want to catch some insects in the water the water by flowing like that is giving life to the place making it so different from the rest of the places that are far from this water those who belong to Jesus, those who are in him by faith, they are like this running water. The life of the Spirit flows in and through them. And as they encounter people in the church, as they encounter people at the workplaces, as they encounter people wherever they find themselves, this Spirit's work, like flowing water, brings life to others. In fact, including those who may not like them very much. And those who receive it, those who embrace it, they flourish. That is our nature. That is how God has designed us in Christ. Discipleship is like that. Giving life and freshness to one another and to the world in which the, world, the Lord has placed us. Serving it. One day I was um, there, and for those who sometimes make the mistake of thinking that um, pastors do not have struggles, or they have very little struggles, or they have mastered every one of their discouragements, and so on and so forth. I was there, and I received a phone call. And when you receive a phone call as a pastor, you go into a pastoral mood, mode, especially when it's coming from one of your members. You immediately switch and say, how can I serve this gentleman or this lady? You want to serve. That, that, is, that is how, sometimes if you are in your right mind, you are wired. You pastor people. You shepherd them. You want to see that the, the flock is well. They are happy. And then when this phone call comes and I pick it up, and here was the voice. Here was the question. Pastor, how are you? I almost cried by that simple question. Because for me, I just want to serve. She called, says she, she called to serve me. Spring of living water. And that day was a moment of discouragement. And the spirit in this dear sister moved 
her and say, give him a call. And this time, it is not a call that he serves you. It is a call that you serve him. And that is what happens among the believers. I know in church we fight a lot. And anytime we do that, we, that's an anomaly. We're going, we do that. It's natural because we haven't been perfectly redeemed yet. But that's an anomaly. Because we are in Christ, this is a normal thing that ought to be happening. We're supposed to be refreshing one another. We're supposed to be refreshing one another. And the way you do it is constantly coming back to the source of the water, the living water, the Lord Jesus and as he works in our hearts, the Spirit causes us to well up with freshness for others. Giver. We are givers to each other. When we did a missions week, I saw a bit of that. When I saw some of us going out of our way to give to the neighborhood, I saw some people who came, they were Muslims. And they knew we were Christians. And they were asking, will you come in? do this kind of thing in our neighborhood at Oyibi. So Oyibi is too far. Living water. Give us. Disciples give what God has given so that those around them may flourish. It is true in the home. As a dad, I'm first a disciple of Jesus. This life gives me welling up towards my wife and children in that community of family so that they flourish. Let me say this in passing. And the same is true for the wife, isn't it? If, as a Christian man, my wife is not a better person than I first married her, there's something wrong. Check up the well springing up from you. Maybe it's clogged. If as a wife, your husband, as a Christian wife, your husband isn't emboldened and joyfully leading the family with humility, don't just always blame him for being such a slack leader. Maybe, just maybe, you're probably the spring from your own hearts that wells up to him, that he feels refreshed to be able to lead the family. Maybe that is clogged. If we are in Christ, that is our nature. We are givers because of the spirits in us. There is no Christian. There is no Christian. Let me say it emphatically. There is no Christian, true Christian, Someone in whom the Spirit lives, abides in Christ. There is no Christian who can truly say that they have nothing or something little to give. There is no Christian like that. If they say that they are ignorant or they perhaps are not believers yet. The reason I say that is this. You have Christ himself. To be a Christian is to have Christ. You have Christ himself, your Redeemer. You have him. You have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit of God who indwells me. You have the Holy Spirit. Your pastor has the Holy Spirit. You also have the Holy Spirit who indwells you. You can also share the word of God with others in your own simple ways. You have spiritual gifts. There is no Christian who has no spiritual gifts. 
When the Father redeems you through Christ by the power of the Spirit, He gives you the Spirit's gifts. You are a giver by nature. You have the ability to serve others. And so you should be uncomfortable when it feels like you are constantly in a position of receiving. Let me give you an example. Someone should always talk to me when I come to church. Or when I went to church, nobody spoke to me. Yeah, when you are new, it's harder because you're not so sure of the environment. And that is why it is always very important that those of us who have been in the community longer wouldn't also take the same position. Nobody is talking to me. Or nobody came to me to say hello. Please, do you know how you would experience real, more happiness? Go to someone with the intention of serving them. How are you doing? Just that. And mean it. Not a cliche, how are you doing? So I'm asking you, how are you doing? But I don't really mean it. I'm thinking that the snack is running out and I have to get there. But I'm serving in that way. Somebody said that for them, their service is basically to look out for who is new in the community and just say hello to them. That's all. That's all they can offer. But do you know how powerful and life-transforming that can be? One of the things I really enjoy in this church is when people have birthday celebrations. I deliberately don't comment at all on our platforms when people have birthday celebrations. But I have noticed as people praise people and say all the nice things, I hope they mean it, they mean it. There's one particular minister amongst us, if you have noticed, will always deliberately take time to craft a message about particular individuals. Isn't that ministry? On my birthday, this sort of message was sent on the platform. And I'm like, is that for real? Is that really the case? I was encouraged. I thought it, it isn't all that good. But I think there is something good going on with me. That is ministry. And sometimes I see those messages along with pictures. I'm like, when did you on earth take these pictures? That is ministry. Giving to others. The skill, the observation, the carefulness the Lord has given you. Be the giver you've been created to be. Be the giver you've been created in Christ Jesus to be. Ask yourself, what can I bring to someone? What can I give to someone in the community of believers? And flowing from that to others outside of the community. Please think about it. Think about it. How can I give? And please don't just think about money. Why do we restrict everything to money? It includes that, but it's bigger than that. Think about your whole being as a Christian. Think about your gifts. Think about your smiles that you have. Think about the attention. Think about the messages that you craft. How can I bless someone with it? Discipleship in the church is not an activity. When you hear discipleship, please don't think about activity. It is a way of the people of God. It is a way of life. It is the Christian life. It is life shared together in the Spirit, by the Spirit, so that others are blessed, both within the church 
and outside of it. It is living together. It is serving the Lord's mission together. I said last week, and that is why missional families are not, oh, just one of the things that churches should do. They should have small groups. Please. There are certain things you shouldn't say, but let me say this one. Maybe I shouldn't. So if it goes off, come and rebuke me. Next time I'll be guarded. For some of us, like Amel and I, we have devoted our lives to this. We have devoted our lives to this. There's nothing behind the curtain. This, because we believe that discipleship is paramount. Christ-like disciple-making. If we would devote all of the rest of our lives, I don't know for how long I will live, but if I'm able to devote all of this, encouraging other believers, that that is what the Lord has called us to. Disciples who make disciples and we make disciples until image-bearers of Christ fill the whole earth when he returns for the glory of God. Then things like missional family and the things we do here can't be just activities. Activities to get things going, get ourselves busy, and maybe it's just something that we do. No, that is it. That is it for us. That, that is it. And so we appeal to you, these things that we have put in place, we're trying to put in place, missional families, it's not just to get you and to fill up so that we, get, we feel good about ourselves. It's so that we can disciple you. And you can disciple others. And then you can reach out to others. Brothers and sisters, everything on earth will come to an end. Everything will come to an end. It is the life in Christ that we share together that will run into eternity. Everything will come to an end. Because everything is a pointer to this life in Christ, to the glory of Jesus. Can I ask that maybe we should sit back and reassess our lives and ask questions in relation to discipleship. And the infrastructure, the tools, ministry tools we have put in place here is the missionary family. One of them, key, is missionary family. That people will get into this community. If you don't have one, create one. We'll help you create one. So that you are watering someone and the person is watering you. And we flourish together for God's glory. So, so refreshing. Let me end with these stories. One of our missional families, when I saw it, I, I, I praise God. One of the members of their family was sick. I'm talking about a missional family here. And I thought they might send one person, just go and check on him or her, if they, they are well, then give back a report. You know what they did? <laughs> they mobilized the whole family, the whole missional family, as many as were present, and they stormed this member's house. And then they took pictures. They were excited that they have gone to water this person who has been unwell. The spring of living water was at play in the missionary family as they loved one another. And their shepherds mobilized them and said, let's go and overwhelm this person with love. And so let me relate it in conclusion with, again, specifically a few practical things in missional family. Part of 
practicing this spiritual givingness is to learn material giving. And so decide in your heart that for every missional family you are part of, when you're going, you go with something. There's a way that that begins to soften your heart. It may just be a bottle of water. It doesn't matter. It may be that you are good at frying granites. Do it. Do it joyfully. It may be that you are good at doing fried plantain. The idea is not a substance. The idea is the positioning of giving. Just go with something. Don't classify yourself as I have nothing. I am poor. I'm a receiver. No, don't do it. Refuse it. And said, I will go and bless someone. And this is what I have. For me, it is my tradition that I always go with a bottle of water. I give to others as much as I receive from them. And then plan to be there on time as a way of loving others. It's amazing when we have interviews at places that we regard as important. We are there an hour before. You know that the time things happen and we are late. I'm late to my missionary families oftentimes. But the whole mindset that I'm going to be with my family, I'm going to be with brothers and sisters, and I want to be the first to be there to encourage, not just to be encouraged. Plan to call someone or text someone in the course of the week. Don't wait for text. Don't wait for a call. You decide that part of my serving and giving, part of watering other, other people will be that I'll call them, I'll text them. And missionary families can decide that every quarter we're going to have an activity of watering our neighborhood. I don't mean we should go with watering cans. You know what I mean. Really blessing our neighborhoods together. And it can be as simple as on this day, maybe not exactly the day we meet. We may decide to do it on a weekend. We'll go for a walk in our neighborhood. And we're just saying hello to people. We're just connecting with people. And when we have the opportunity, we want to share the gospel. As simple as that. Showing your presence and loving them. The reason is that is because God rescued you in Christ Jesus to be a giver. You cannot be an onlooker. You will serve and give yourself, your resources, your time, your gifts, spiritual and material, so that others will flourish, both within the church and outside of it. Let me pray. Father, we ask that you will move our hearts to really capture who we are, the vision of the gospel for us. Not only recipients, recipients we are, but we are recipients because you have called us so we can give. We can have something to give. Change our mindsets. Help us to do this in humility. Not as doing anybody a favor. Because we know that in doing so, it is more blessed. It is more happy to do that than just to position ourselves to receive. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.